Welcome to Move Forward Radio, a show featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts. This program is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Learn how physical therapists can help people of all ages and abilities reduce pain and improve and restore motion to achieve long-term quality of life at MoveForwardPT.com. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Jason Bellamy. This year, the American Physical Therapy Association is celebrating National Physical Therapy Month with a campaign to educate the public about healthy aging. At www.moveforwardpt.com agewell, you can access related resources, including nine physical therapist tips to help you age well, an infographic highlighting Americans' attitudes on aging, and a health center for older adults. You can also get tips specific to each decade of your life, from your 20s to your 30s to your 60s and beyond. One of the things the AgeWell campaign makes clear is that you shouldn't wait until you're feeling the effects of aging to start thinking about your long-term health. On that note, in this episode of Move Forward Radio, we'll talk to physical therapist Robert Galanders about the trends he sees in the clinic and get his age-specific advice for healthy aging. Here's our interview with Robert Galanders. So Robert, we're talking about tips for people for healthy aging by decade of their life. Let's start with people who are in their 20s. Are these people invincible? Do they have to worry about their future health, or is it too soon for that? First of all, I would like to say I think this is a great idea, talking about health through the lifetime, because I think that's something that we just simply don't do. And I think what I see in the clinic is that if I can get to people before the injury happens or the potential injury happens, we can prevent most things from happening. Being 46, when I think back to my 20s, I think I did think I was invincible, and most probably do. But they're just like everybody else. I think they're vulnerable to injury. I think they have a little bit more in the way of resiliency because as we age, our tissues, it's a given that they're going to change and become less flexible and less strong, et cetera. So their margin for error is probably bigger than somebody in their 40s or 50s. But certainly they need to think about this now, probably not as much as thinking about it for the future. And that's why when I see people in their 20s in the clinic, I'm advocating that they take some of the principles that we go through with the rehab and make them lifetime habits. And I think that so much of life is about forming habits that we come to over and over. Somebody in their 20s, if they're thinking about diet, they're thinking about their sleep patterns, investing in those things now will pay dividends down the road. And, you know, I think when you're learning a new habit, it's difficult. But once you've established that habit, it becomes really easy to follow. So I think For people in their 20s, I think you contemplate injuries by establishing good habits with exercise, of course, but also the sidebars that are equally important would be nutrition and the idea of sleep because too often I see people coming in the clinic and they're not getting adequate nutrition or sleep and that certainly doesn't help them to recover. So I'm going to make a little bit of an analogy here and then when I get done, you tell me if this sounds crazy. You can almost apply, I guess, this stage of someone's life to the same advice that, say, a financial planner would give. So you look at people in their 20s in relation to financial planning. First of all, they're probably more concerned with just paying the rent. So what's immediately in front of them than they're worried about their long-term paying for their retirement. And no one would expect someone in their 20s to be putting tons of money into savings for long-term necessarily. So what you're advising, which I think sort of what would be the financial advice for that age is, hey, just start building good habits, save something, sort of the health equivalent of start that habit forming. 
So first of all, does that sound right? And then the next part is we bridge into people in their 30s as they start thinking about their long-term health and being healthy across their lifespan and when they get older, what changes from when somebody's in their 20s and when they're 30s? And is that a point where they need to start taking things more seriously? Well, I think the financial planning analogy is a great one. And I think that, you know, it works for all of these decades to some degree. And I think most people on a very basic level about financial planning would recognize that what they do when they're younger versus middle age versus older is going to be totally different. And that what they do when they're younger is really going to establish what they do or do not need to do when they're older. So yeah, you're sort of putting money in the bank, so to speak, uh, for your health versus for your retirement or finances. So yeah, I think that's spot on. I think that's a great analogy. Thinking about the people in their 30s, we're beginning to be in this phase where you really need to do things differently. I look at people in their 40s as being probably more of that sweet spot for you where you really need to act differently. In your 30s, I think you need to recognize that in terms of exercise, you know, you can continue to do what you do. It's just you need to have a little bit more that goes into the planning of it. Because quite honestly, when I think of the people coming into the clinic in their 30s, most of them are generally pretty healthy, but they are now in this phase of life. It's almost like life gets in the way versus physiology getting in the way. Life gets in the way that these people tend to be growing professionally, and they're now just busier. So it's like life has them going in every which way, not only professionally, but with personal relationships. So sadly, I think sometimes health and exercise take a little bit of a back burner during that phase. So I don't think we're at the point where physiologically somebody is so different from the previous decade that they have to absolutely treat their exercise in a completely different way. But I think we're in this phase where I see people just being vulnerable to injury because of silly little mistakes. Like they're busy at work, you know, it's the end of the quarter and they go a week or two weeks without any exercise. And then they go back and assume their usual routine with the same intensity. And that's where scaling things up quickly after an extended break you know, it's a common training error we see in the clinic where people are vulnerable to injury. And what it is is that the intensity is just exceeding the capacity of the tissues. And, you know, it's where you see your common sprains and strains. And quite honestly, when you're in your early 30s, it's like some of those things are the types of things that just go away with rest. But I would argue that avoiding that pitfall altogether is a way to keep it away and keep it quiet just from the get-go. So, yeah, I think 30s is not the decade where you have to really look at your health completely differently versus just recognizing some of the limitations that life throws at us, which is you're going to be busy, that the consistency with exercise is a really key point, even if that means instead of going two weeks because you don't have an hour to spare to do your 10K run, instead maybe you do shorter runs, but you have the consistency there. So you kind of work around life by modifying versus going in these fits and starts that I see being relatively commonplace during that decade. So let's move then to the 40s. We have this culture of sort of dreading 40s that it seems to be the age at which people accept that they're aging or face that they're aging. Sometimes it's a joke. Sometimes people take it very seriously. You suggested that essentially, physiologically, the people you see in your clinic in their 30s are not all that different from the people in their 20s. Are 40s the age where that starts to change? 
I think so. I mean, with the folks that I see in the clinic, I would say one common source of frustration I see from people in their 40s is that they come in almost exasperated because they've avoided injury up until this point. And they're exasperated because they say to me, well, you know, I've always been able to do X, Y, and Z, but now all of a sudden I can't do that. So they're frustrated because they don't understand why, you know, and this just happened to me literally just yesterday where somebody said to me, well, for 10 years, 20 years, I've been doing this same routine and now all of a sudden I can't do that. So I really don't look at it in terms of decades. I look at it more in terms of five-year increments. And I try to help people to understand that, you know, with each passing five years, it's like you need to reevaluate the routine of things that you're doing. So take the example of the person in the clinic yesterday. Let's say his measuring stick is being able to ride his bike 20 miles to and from work. And he's always done that, and he's just used that exercise to prepare his body to do commuting. I think when you get in your 40s, it's like you can still maintain these active lifestyles but you need to prepare your body for that. And it makes sense if you take a step back and you think about it in terms of how has your body changed from your 20s to your 40s? We know it's become less flexible. We know that there's a trend of the muscles not maintaining strength. Tissue compliance can change. I mean, we know these things happen right before us. And it's one of these little micro changes that you don't necessarily notice one year to the next. But if you go from 30 to 40, it's like you see the body is changing right in front of us. We don't notice it per se. Yeah, maybe we're feeling a little bit stiffer coming up and down the stairs or stiffer after exercise. But it's like day to day, we don't perceive these changes. So what I tell these people is now in your 40s, to do what you want to do, you have to prepare. You know, a runner can't just assume because he runs that he's going to be strong for running. Nor can he assume that if he's had 20 years of sitting at a desk, that these muscles around his hips or his hamstrings that have been in a position to adaptively shorten can maintain their flexibility without doing a little bit of work to maintain that. And that's where I think the role of the physical therapist just couldn't be better suited to address these needs of the public in this decade because a person comes to me like that, just like the example yesterday, I look at this person, I assess strength, flexibility, look at their functional movement patterns, look at posture, and I give them a roadmap to address those things that are right here in front of us. So they have some specificity to what they need to do. And I didn't tell this person they couldn't continue what they were doing, but I just tried to help them to understand that to continue down this path, we're going to have to work at being able to do it. It's not a privilege, you know, as much as it's going to be something we work to be able to do. And I think that's the biggest thing in the 40s is I don't tell people they can't do it. I just say, well, if you're going to do it, you have to train. You have to be honest about it. And that doesn't mean one time a week. That means consistency, which I think is more like three, four times a week. Somebody's going through a routine to address some of these common deficits I mentioned. So hearing those stories and maybe buying in a little bit to the popular culture, if you will, 40s seem to be an age where people are maybe noticing what they've lost from their youth. And so then I'm wondering as we move into people in their 50s, is that an age where people start to think not so much about what they've lost, but start to look at what's ahead of them and think about where they need to be in the future? Or is that light bulb still not quite going off yet? You know, the dynamics of aging really have changed considerably over the last couple decades, you know, with 
boomers and with people getting to these milestone ages, whether it's 40 or 50, you know, and sort of having this view of, well, if this is 50, then, you know, it's what 40 used to be or whatever. You know, I mean, it's like I think our outlook on aging is really in a pretty dynamic place right now. And I think when people are in their 50s, yeah, they're coming to terms with the idea that maybe what they've done for a lifetime needs to be modified. You know, it could be that, you know, somebody is, you know, being honest about the fact that their knees are not able to tolerate the stress of running or their shoulders are not able to tolerate the stress of throwing sports or overhead activity. But I think those people need to take that perspective and try to figure out what they can and can't do and embrace that. I think that 50s is where people need to sort of get over this hurdle of dwelling on what they can't do and focusing on what they can do. Take the example of the runner because it's just such a popular thing. That might be the runner that recognizes that, hey, running every day is probably not going to be something I can maintain throughout my lifetime and that I can continue to get the joy of running by focusing on some days where I'm cross-training, you know, where I'm getting lower-impact exercise under my belt. So I get the benefit, the cardiovascular benefit, and I give my joints a relative break. And I think that the people that are most successful are the ones that seamlessly go through these phases, that they recognize, hey, it's not the end of the world that I can't run every day if I can do a little bit of cross-training it means I can still maintain an effective load of exercise that makes me happy and I'm getting the benefit of exercise daily, just not in the exact same way that I did before. Having the habit of saying, okay, maybe I can't do what I did in my 30s, but I can still do this, and here's how I'm going to tweak it to accommodate my needs in my 50s. So I want to go back to something you said. We're doing this conversation talking about things by decade and people in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s and going on. And there are obviously trends that developed people by age, but we also don't want to create a myth either that in your 40s, these bad things will happen and in the 50s, things will get worse. And so on that note, I'm sure you see patients all the time who with somebody in their 40s who in relative health seems like they're in their 30s and somebody who's in their 30s who relative health seems like they're in their 50s. So how do people make sure that they don't fall victim to this sense of, man, I'm getting older, so therefore my health will deteriorate and it's just going to happen and there's no way I can fight it. It's just kind of inevitable. How do you coach people around that? How do I encourage people to do that? A lot of these same things that we've talked about. It's like establishing good habits with flexibility. What do I mean by that? Well, if somebody's sitting at a desk for 40 hours a week, I tell them, hey, you know, you need to have a routine of things to address these muscles that are put into a shortened position all day long to stretch them. So you need to have a warm-up and a cool-down for your job. So it's like I encourage people to use a foam roller because it's really an easy way to stretch out some of the muscles of the mid-back and muscles of the front of the shoulder. These are areas that commonly get stiff from sitting at a desk just like the hip flexor muscles in the front of the hip or the hamstrings. I mean, these are muscles that are commonly restricted because of postural imbalance. So part of what I recommend to people is very specific about areas to stretch or strengthen. I mean, certainly pop culture has gone to town on talking about core strengthening, and these things have distinct value. But I also am talking to them about things like good eating habits. The reality is if you could be doing all the best exercises 
and all the best nutrition, but you're not sleeping adequately, it's like your body just can't long-term survive under these terms. So it's like you try to maintain this good trajectory of aging by good habits, and I think that encompasses exercise, but it also encompasses a lot of lifestyle things. I try to articulate that to people in the clinic, these very points. And I think that's, again, back to the point of, like, PT is the reason I think it's such a resource for many people is that they have trained expertise in so many different facets of the musculoskeletal system. I mean, posture, movement, those two are just so critically important on top of the basics of exercise, strengthening, flexibility. And, you know, many PTs now have secondary training on things like nutrition, and they're on a basic level able to talk to people about some of these key principles. And, you know, most PTs are also well-connected. If it's necessary to refer somebody out to see a nutritionist, it's like, yeah, most PTs are going to be in a position to help the public on who to see. Earlier, we talked about, kind of used that analogy of saving for your future in terms of your health, developing healthy habits now that are going to impact you later on. If we go now to people in their 60s, you're talking about an age group that in the real world is moving into retirement. They have lived a lot of life, but hopefully have a lot of life left to live. I have to think that this is an especially crucial age to be healthy, not just for now, not just for your 60s, but if you have to make up for bad habits in your past to give yourself a chance to be independent and strong in your 70s, 80s, 90s, this seems like it must be a crucial decade. Does that sound right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that so many people that I talk to in the clinic, just casually, will talk about things that they want to do when they retire. And, you know, some people aspire to be very adventurous, whether it's contemplating, you know, hiking the Appalachian Trail or biking across the U.S., whatever it may be. It's like you can't just one day wake up and sign up for these things. You need to have this lifetime of preparation behind you. And so, yeah, the 60s, as people contemplate their next move, I think you're exactly right, that having sort of a good base of exercise and health to then bridge off of makes a lot of sense. And again, back to this notion of there are lots of different modes of exercise and what is quote-unquote exercise is going to change for us with each decade. So, you know, it might be that somebody who is used to running now might be hiking or walking or getting in the pool. You know, we haven't really talked a lot about the pool, but the pool is just an outstanding environment for people to have unweighted movement of their body. And that's absolutely a great environment for most people. But I think you're right. It's funny thinking about the financial part of it. You know, retirement is such a key part of that financial planning. It's sort of like the end goal for many people. But we're on the verge of people just not retiring altogether, that people go from one career into something different. And, you know, some of the things that, again, we haven't talked about that I think are crucially important when somebody thinks about that next phase of life, sense of purpose, being social, and a lot of that is all tied up into health sense of purpose so you can have the ability to go out and let's say help with some things like Habitat for Humanity so you can go out and contribute with community service. Sense of purpose so that you can be out in the community helping others who maybe are less fortunate. Let's say you're working in a soup kitchen or something like that. People want to do something. This notion of like retiring and doing nothing I think is just completely 
been struck from the record. So yeah, people in their 60s want to hit that sort of magic threshold where they're going to switch into a different type of career and be able to do those things. I think 60s is now sort of a new launching pad for thinking about life completely differently. And most people want to get to that point and feel like they can embrace it versus being limited by what they can do. So you make a great point, whether you want to in your 60s be the person that hikes the Appalachian Trail or you just want to be physically able to interact with your community, to do community service, to be independent and be out and about that you need that physical health, that physical activity, range of motion, independence, strength, all those things. And so then as we move, we'll just sort of talk about the 70s and beyond. As you move into that phase of life at that age, can people in their 70s and 80s, can they make physical improvements, or at that point is it only decline that's ahead for them? I think that each individual is going to respond to this stuff differently depending on their injury history, their medical history. You know, I think that it's probably true to recognize what's quote-unquote normal for strength or normal for range of motion. As we get older, it's like we don't expect things to be perfect. We don't expect your tolerance to exercise to continue to increase. So I think that, yeah, in your 70s, you know, I don't know that everybody is going to be in the category of just declining versus having the ability to make improvements. I mean, I think that comes with a positive attitude, and this is something I talk about in the clinic, not only with people who are older, but throughout the spectrum. You know, we're addressing things like flexibility and strength, and the body's response is predictable until it's not. And I think we just have the course of trying to be as good as we can be. Let's say all we're doing is holding steady. You know, I would argue that that's a positive, right? If we get to that age in the 70s where the daily loss of the capacity of our musculoskeletal system is matched by the input we're giving to exercise and we just hold things level, great. I would argue that what we've tried to talk about with some of these other decades is, at the very least, let's work at pushing off some of these deficits as much as we can. You know, the body is a pretty amazing thing. You know, it's very resilient, and it responds well to the input we give it. One just aside that has always fascinated me was reading literature about somebody stopping smoking, and they comment about how the body changes sort of minute to minute after somebody stops smoking. And they talk about how the lungs change within an hour and how the different tissues change over the passing days. What fascinates me about that is we just don't think about it in those terms, but exercise really has that kind of impact on the body that increases blood flow, helps to facilitate activation of the muscles. Warm muscle is more suited to being stretched. All these things that we can do that are positive At a certain point, yeah, are they going to have the same impact? No, they're not, but they will have an impact, and the body is just so great at responding to that. I think if we consistently give it that stimulus, yeah, I think you actually need to be older than 70 to see that impact not having a positive. One of the first things we talked about in the 20s is, hey, establish good habits, and a good habit really becomes less of a habit. It just becomes lifestyle. 
And so then to loop back to something else we talked about earlier, you know, obviously if you're in your 70s, it's unrealistic to expect you're going to have the strength and flexibility you had in your 20s. But nonetheless, the lesson I think you imparted when we were talking about our 40s rings true, which is, yeah, you can maintain or you can maybe see improvements, but you're going to have to work harder for it. In fact, we've seen research where one of the problems with those older generations is sometimes either from the healthcare provider or they themselves essentially don't push themselves hard enough. And I think that's where physical therapy comes in too, the ability for a physical therapist to say, you know, this is probably too much for you, but this is out of your comfort zone, but in the right realm where you can do this to make improvements. Does that sound right? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny, just today, I had somebody come into the clinic. In fact, today was her birthday. She turned 57, and she had sent me an article about common stretches with yoga, and we're just soliciting my opinion about that. And the funny thing is that I said, well, where did you even get this article? Because I had some issues with it. And uh, she said, you know, I don't even know where I got this. She goes, I think somebody just posted it on my Facebook wall. So we live in an age where there's a lot of information out there, and I think that a lot of the information is well-intentioned. Sadly, I don't think all of it is good, and I think you're exactly right that consulting with somebody who's a professional and is an expert at not only assessing musculoskeletal needs, postural needs, functional needs, but it's going to be an advocate. I mean, I think that's where you get into the needs of the individual. We need to be very specific. And I think that, sure, when you're younger, it's like you can have some general advice. As you get older, yeah, it becomes important to consult with these people that are at your ready, that can help you, because it's like your needs are going to evolve over a lifetime. What works for Johnny is not going to work for Susie, but yet it seems like people often glom onto advice that somebody else has been given as being relevant for them. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. So I think that it's important to recognize with all these different tips that we've talked about, it's like, yeah, at the end of the day, it's like you need to figure out what's important for you. And a physical therapist really is a great person to do that for the common injuries that we see through a lifetime. Low back pain, neck pain, knee pain, you know, shoulder pain, and these things are commonplace. A PT is well suited to address anybody through these different decades we've talked about and come up with their particular needs and how they can address those things. Robert Galanders, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And let's commit right now to go out and celebrating Physical Therapy Month. Learn more about healthy aging at www.moveforwardpt.com slash agewell. To support the campaign and spread awareness during National Physical Therapy Month, Follow Move Forward PT on Facebook and Twitter and share and retweet our resources. If you found this podcast helpful, share it with a friend. Move Forward Radio podcasts are available via iTunes, and you can embed episodes directly on your website or blog using code available at Blog Talk Radio. All previous episodes of this podcast are available at moveforwardpt.com. I'm Jason Bellamy. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guest is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Learn more about how a physical therapist can help you and find a physical therapist in your area at moveforwardpt.com. For an archive of past episodes, visit moveforwardpt.com radio.